What I found is that if you don't get a dare sometimes, a challenge is another word for it, and if you don't ever take that dare, then you won't discover what real abilities are lying dormant on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I grew up in West Jasper in the 1960s. You know, that was my childhood years growing up. And in the 60s, Gary, you know, I mean, if anybody ever dared you to do something, oh boy, you know. I mean, it's one thing to say, I, I bet you won't do that. But boy, they say, I dare you to do it. You have to do it. And then if they came out with a double dog dare, oh, you had to do it. Knocked on a lot of doors and rang a lot of doorbells just based on dares. And God's daring us today to do something with the gifts and the graces that he's got within us and not sit there and let our lives go by. Let me tell you one of the most embarrassing things in your life is when the number of candles on your cake exceed the number of accomplishments in your life. It's not easy to start this late in life. Now you can because God can do more with you in the late years of life than, than anybody could. But it's smart to start it the younger That's you are. Right. Amen. And this is why it's so important, parents, train this to your children. Right. You've got to have this relationship where you speak into your children something more yes. than just yes. a bunch of a junk, you know, or traditions yeah. of men. You've got to yeah. put yeah. into them the greatness that God's put within. I'm going to show you some things about how special you are today. What the, while Jesus calls you special. And, and if you're special, he's going to take care of you and see to it yes. that you'll make it at whatever yes. endeavors that you're willing to yeah. trust yeah. him in. And like I say, be a good parent. Yeah, I was reading about one dad the other day. He took his daughter to work with him. He said, you know, I'm going to take you to work. And uh, she was kind of excited, a little, little eight-year-old. She was excited about being there, you know, because he kind of told her some things. I'm going to show you this, that, and the other, you know. And she got there, and when she got there, she kept looking around, you know, like, like she wasn't seeing what she was expecting. And she'd see this co-worker and this co-worker, and she just finally started crying. And the dad had taken a phone call in another office and she said out there and all the co-workers out there were trying to give her a little, here's this off my desk and here's something I've, I had, in, you know, trying to get her to quit crying. She just cried. By this time, every employee in the place was around her in a circle trying to give her things, you know. And the dad came off the phone and said, what are you, what's wrong? We can't get her to quit crying. And he said, darling, what's wrong? All the people are around, you know. She said, daddy, you promised me you'd bring me to work and show me all the clowns you work with. And I <laughs> Oh my goodness. But be a good dad that puts, I don't want to get on that, but be a good dad that, mom, that puts things in your children that are investments that they can accomplish things. You know, and, and get them to start out a new year. And this is the way you're going to have to start doing your own life because if you've outgrown a mom and daddy telling you this, you're going to have to make your own decisions. And uh, you're going to have to say, you know, all right, well, I'm not going to get to the end of this year until I've accomplished this one goal at least in my life. And, and, and if people ever ask me again about 2019, I'm going to be able to tell them this one thing I accomplished. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And God will do that if you'll take the dares. All right. Did you get anything out of that? Just remember God's done it for you. Now let me get into the message. I dare you. I dare you today. I dare you today. I'm going to dare you to become the most highly favored person in the world. But look, let me start out with a few scriptures for you. If you look up on the screen, and I'll tell you in a moment which one we'll put up the reference of ones we want to look at. These two scriptures you already know. If you're taking notes, write them down real quickly. Philippians 4.13 and Mark 9.23. Just write down those two references, and then I want you to look at these two scriptures with me. Philippians 4.13 and then Matthew 9.23. Let me ask you this question. What if you lived your life based on these two scriptures? Here's the first one. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now I mean, what if you, I'm talking about what if you really lived your life based on everything I can do. No matter what I run into, I can do it. And of course the key to this is because Christ is in me and He's strengthening me. Well, look at it in this translation, the TPT, the Passion Translation. Underline some things for you here. It says, I find, Paul said, I find the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. And then the Amplified Classic says, I'm ready for anything and I'm equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. That's just big to me. But now look, look at that again. Let's think about it. What if you got up every morning believing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? See, what things were you unable to do? I, I went to do, I was working for a church in Birmingham for a short time. It was summertime and they were getting ready to start their school year back there at a Christian school. And, and so all the employees were just doing everything to get that school part ready, painting rooms and fixing things. And I ran into a, a door, piston, you know, that closes the door. Is that what you call it? A piston, that hydraulic-like piston. And uh, it was on one of these big metal doors and glass door, you know, glass and metal door. And 
I had to take that off to, for some reason. I don't remember what we were doing, replacing it or, or to paint or something. I can't remember. But anyway, I had to get my job was to get that off that day. And the screws had stripped out, and it was just impossible with the tools that they had available there in that church office, you know, to, to work on. And I couldn't, I finally just told him, I cannot get it off. And the pastor of that church, Frank, said to me, he said, I thought you can do all things through Christ who strengthened. Now, what he meant was, I'm not going to buy anything, so you're going to have to take the tools and get that off. He said, I thought you could do all things through Christ who strengthened. I said, yeah, but I've tried for the last hour, and I thought you could do everything. It made me so aggravated, I turned on my heels, and I said, I'm getting that thing off. And, you know, it didn't take me five minutes to get off that once. That sort of a challenge or dare come that I can do all things. I thought, well, why? How can I say I can't when this says I can? Amen. That's the same way with your giving. How can I say I can't tithe when God says that I can? How can I say I can't be strong enough to do this when God says that I can do it? How can I say I'm unable physically to do this when God says that I am? What if you lived your life? Based on that right there. Again, look at, look at these underlined part. Because God's explosive power is infusing me to conquer every difficulty. Praise God. That's good. That's powerful. Amen. Amplified. I'm ready for anything. I'm equal to anything. You never run into an assignment that you just absolutely can't do. God's got the solution for it. And for you, a spirit-filled believer, if you'll pray in tongues long enough, God will show you how to do something that, that the world can't figure out. Yes. Yes. Amen. Powerful. What if we lived our life? The next scripture you wrote down was this one, Mark 9, 23. Jesus said, all things are possible to him or her that believes. All things are possible. What are you not doing right now in your life that you just don't think it's possible for you to do? But what if you got up every day and based your life on this verse? Jesus said about me. Jesus looked me up and Jesus looked me down and he analyzed me and said, all things are possible if I'm a believer. Amen then I would challenge you or dare you to become the biggest believer in the, in the city. Amen. Because right. he said all things are possible. What are you not doing? You know, somebody said something to me one time. said, well, what would you do? I mean, you know, because this would have been years ago. A friend of mine said to me, he said, well, what would you do if money was, was of no object? And I thought, my goodness, everything in my life would be different if money was no object. But yet this verse says I can do it now. Of course, there's other scriptures like Isaiah 55 says, come and buy without price, without money. You can buy things without money. Susan and I went into a house and had paid, a, paid over $300,000 down on a house when we had no money in our account. That's right. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. How'd you do that? All I can tell you at the end of the day, God did it. Amen. And it's because we believed. Yes. In the message, it says this. There are no, this is Jesus talking now. Think about how he said this. He said, Jesus said, there's no if for believers, among believers. No ifs, I can do this and if I can do that. There's no ifs. He said, anything can happen, Jesus said. What if you based every day of your life on that? And one more translation, the W-E translation. Jesus said, anything can be done for the person who believes. What are you not doing because you think you can't? What are you not doing because you don't know you have the strength to do it? Well, what you'd have to have then, you'd have to have some kind, if you was going to base your life on it, some kind of challenge or some kind of dare to move you over into this place of greatness. Right. Then you wouldn't start settling anymore. You wouldn't just settle for something less than the ability of greatness if you believe those verses. I know I've said this to you before, but we Christians are really bad at just settling. Can't afford that car I want, so I'll just settle for this. Can't have that house that's got the amenities I want, so I'll just settle for that. This, this idea, you know, a lot of times I, we settle. I, well, I, I can't get my knee better, so... This brace helps. I'll settle for the brace. Why do we settle for so much? Less than what God's got if those two scriptures are true. Now, how many of you know, of course, there's more scriptures in the Bible than those two. I'm just using those two. But why do we settle for things less than the best? If I can just settle, we can get through the week. When God wants you to do more than just get through the week, He wants you to have the happy. I'm going to show you scriptures on this in a minute. Amen. Say amen to that. So I'm daring you to think bigger, act bigger, be bigger. So write it down. Think bigger, act bigger, be bigger. What's changed? The only thing that can change in the service today. Nothing changed about your health naturally. Nothing changed about your age. Maybe nothing changed about your status quo financially. Maybe nothing changed in those areas. The only thing changes is if you change your believing today. You can change your believing system and immediately things be different in your life. So if you'll think bigger, act bigger, and be bigger, here's the next scripture I wanted to show you. Is Luke chapter 5, verse 4. The Lord said, 
encourage them. He said this to me yesterday. He said, encourage them to make this their new motto. Okay. Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a drought. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Expect something bigger. See, Jesus didn't say to Peter in that boat that day, thanks for letting me use your boat. Let's see if we can get a net and grab a minnow right quick. Just reach over there in the shallow waters. So no shallow minnow fishing for God's people. Amen. That's not right. Even a, not even a stringer with three fish on it. That's Jesus right. said, launch out into the deep yes. for a, what became a net-breaking, boat-sinking load. And it filled up more than Peter's boat. Peter had to call James and John, sons of Zebedee, to bring their boats over there too. They began to fill up other boats. And, and, and all of the boats began to sink. What about the attitude, if God's on my side, why not every fish in the sea comes to me today? That's exactly what was happening in that miracle. Not just a little. Not shallow fishing. But he said you got to launch out into the deep to Peter. And I, I just want you to receive how the Holy Spirit means that for me and you today. Launch out into deep expectation, deep waters. Not, don't, don't try something little and see if it'll work. Launch out into the deep and see what God can do. Every fish in the sea today. When you start doing that and taking that, then you won't any longer allow obstacles. All of a sudden you'll start saying, no more obstacles going to stand in my way. Instead of letting obstacles stand in your way, when you take that attitude of the scriptures, then all of a sudden you'll start standing up to the obstacles. Now let me tell you this, I, I know this so, and if you've ever experienced it, you can all tell it too, and anybody could encourage in this. When you start standing up to the obstacles in your life, you'll find out they're not quite as big and powerful as they let on to be. Difficulties are not that hard to get out of your way, physically, financially, mentally, not hard when you stand up to them with an attitude of faith. God intended that faith would be the motivating force in all of our lives. Adam and Eve walked by faith in the Garden of Eden until they disobeyed and sinned. Why did Adam and Eve sin in the Garden of Eden? Because they left their faith off, believing what God said, and they started believing the lies of the devil. So they got into unbelief with God and belief of Satan. So faith will always be a factor in your life. And so that's why the Bible is always designed to pump up our faith so that we're bigger believers today than we were yesterday. We can do all things through Christ and anything is possible. If we only believe, all we've got to do is stand up to those obstacles. Leave the weak and powerless life and become a possibility thinker. Everything's possible. Everything's going to be good because I believe it can. If you become that kind of believer, I promise you today, tremendous things will happen. Marvelous things will begin to happen in your life. There is absolutely no limit to what God would do for the person. I was reading a story one time. I've read it several times. In fact, this is in one of those books I read every year. So I've read this story or heard this story several times over the last few years. Anytime I needed encouragement, this is one of those books that I read. And this little testimony is in there. There was a, a gentleman, the man, actually the man that wrote the book was an owner of a very big business, chief executive officer, yes. founder and all that stuff. And uh, at that time, he had a uh, group of salesmen and this one salesman came into his office one day, actually was one of his high school friends. They had went to high school together. Now he's working for him. And the salesman came in that day and said to him, said Dan to his boss, said Dan, I, I quit. This is it. He said, yeah, I'm, just, I'm quitting. He was a salesman. He said, I quit. And, and his boss looked at him and said, well, why, what do you mean you quit? He said, because I am not good at a salesman. I don't have it in me. I don't have what it takes. Therefore, he said, I quit. I do not have it in me. And said, his boss looked at him. Dan, Mr. Dan, who wrote the book, said, uh, I looked at him and I said, now listen, I'm a good judge of men and characters. And I picked you because I saw a salesman in you. Don't you lie to me and tell me that you're not a good salesman. In fact, I dare you, he said, go out of here today and have the biggest sales this week that'll break any record you've ever had in the past and amaze yourself with it. I dare you. He said, when I said that to him, he said, it's like a fire went in that young man's eyes. And said, he turned, went out of that office just with a glare in his eyes. I didn't know whether he's mad at me or on fire. But said he came in at the end of the week, he had broke every record he had ever made. And then went on to become the leading salesman in that company. What did it take? It took somebody to challenge him enough, to dare him enough to get on fire. Listen, you ought to write this down think about it. Something to think about through the week. You're not good at much of anything without a fight inside of you. That's something built on the inside of us to just kind of have that fighting attitude. Now, if you've ever played any kind of sports activity or, or 
participating in kind of sport that not always not always playing. Sometimes wrestling's not really playing, is it? You know, that's a good, that's a sport where you're in there, but it's a sport. But if you've ever been involved in any kind of sport activity, I guarantee you, you know what a pep talk is in the in the back room. Right. And that pep talk, it, what does it try to get you more than anything else? Fighting mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fired up is a way to put it. Just just where you're willing to push further than what you thought you could. Amen. You know, when I when I ran track, I mean, you'd sometimes, especially in long distance races. Now, when you run sprints, sometimes you run sprint races. Well, sprints are over so fast, you ain't got time to realize you were tired. And uh, you just ran and put everything in it. But now long distance, to me, always created a bigger psychological effect. Because, you know, you'd put everything you could trying to stay. And, and the other team being there's one thing to practice. Boy, but when you got the competition the other team, you start listening. You hear their feet behind you, you know, clamping behind you. Right. You hear their threats or you see them in front of you. And it's, it can be a mental block to see them ahead of you, look like they're not breathing as hard as you. Seem like they got more steam in them. And you're ready to just lay over and die. I mean, I felt like times I just, there was times I can remember in a long distance race of thinking, I just wish I would trip and fall so I could say, I'm sorry I tripped and fell. <laughs> then I wouldn't because I don't think I got anything left in me. And then all of a sudden when I'm ready to quit, you hear somebody on the other team just coming around you going, no, nah, like they're just starting. I thought, well, I didn't know this was a relay race. Where'd, where'd he come from? Who tagged him in, you know? And you think, where did that come from? And it can be a real psychological effect. Well, but then our coach, Dr. Alan Rowland, was a real wise man. Because the year I ran track, first year I ran track, was they had just started back the track team. Had been non-existence for a number of years at Walker High School. And so this was a new thing. We didn't have much. We were using old uniforms and old equipment that they had used probably seven or eight, ten years earlier. And just been sitting there gathering dust and rotting. And we didn't have much, not, a, not much of a budget, you know, and all this stuff. And so when we ran track, it, we didn't quite fill up the area like the football games did, you know. But he was real smart. He always brought three or four pretty girls from the school to stand right over on this particular turn and said, when you see the guys dying, cheer for them. Well, ain't no respectful guy in his right mind going to not run fast when he's running by a pretty girl saying, you can do it, James. Well, those girls became the second wind. And the third and the fourth win. <laughs> he was a wise man. But my point is, by the dare or by the challenge to do a little more, you found out that you could. Right. Somehow you'd find That's it on good. the inside of you, even if it was just trying to, with the effort of trying to please somebody else. Amen. And so like that salesman, I just dare you to accomplish and break some records this week. Amen. Now some of you, your record isn't going to be hard to break. Because all you've accomplished in the last few weeks is absolutely nothing. So why not just say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just get something on the board here. Amen. 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 That's good. <laughs> and accomplish something. Okay. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If there's latent powers, do you know what that word latent is? Latent, L-A-T-E-N-T. You ever heard that? Latent means things that are dormant or asleep on the inside of you. Hidden is a good way, conveyed. But if there's latent powers and abilities on the inside of all of us, mm-hmm. that we're, they're so asleep we don't even know we've got them, right. then definitely what we need is to be woke up. Amen. We need to be awakened. Amen. And that's what these scriptures can do, and that's what these services are designed to do this series, is to <laughs> challenge you enough, dare you enough to think, hey, something big can happen. This is Amen. not a little life that I'm in. God's got an expectation I can do something, and I'm going to expect it too. Well, then here's a scripture I wanted to show you in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Let me know when you're there. Amen. And here's a wake-up scripture. And I want to show you that it's not just spiritual. Verse 14, Paul says, Wherefore, he says, Awake thou that sleepest. Now, what, let me kind of background what he's just said. He's just encouraged the people, you're not darkness, you're not who you used to be, you're a child of God, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. So, you know, realize you're not limited like you used to be. So therefore, awake, he says, verse 14. So awake, thou that sleepest. Got dormant abilities on the inside. And arise from the dead. That's where our lives look to him, not just asleep, but dead. You ever seen anybody so asleep they look dead? My daddy'd say, boy, they're dead to the world, you know. So wake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And then he said, see that you start walking wisely. Circumspectly means wisely. Don't walk like fools, but as wise people. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Now, I'm going to stop there, and then he goes on talking about the Holy Spirit, but that's not all he talks about. So let me, let me just bring this out to you, and then I'm going to point out a verse way on down. But just look up here and let me talk to you just for a moment on this thing. So he says to the people, you're a new people in Christ. You're not the old man. You're not darkness anymore. Now you're light, but you're asleep. And God needs to arise you from that sleep. He needs to awaken you from that sleep and stir up something on the inside of you so you can walk wise, not as fools. Walk circumspectly, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Walk like you can accomplish something. Yes, amen. And then he begins to say, and the Holy Spirit's in you there to enable you, to help you, and strengthen you. And then he goes right into what we call the next chapter saying, so husbands, submit to your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands in the fear of the Lord. You know, begin to have the best marriage, he says at the end of chapter 5. He says, you can have the strongest marriage you ever had. And then he goes into what we call chapter 6. And he says, and parents... Raise those children right in the admonition of the Lord and tell them what the first commandment of promise is, is that they, if they'll honor their father and mother, live well. Now, here's what I want to point out. Look at Ephesians 6, 3. I've got it on the screen. In fact, look up here and I'll show you that. He gets down to this. If you awaken and get alive on the inside, then this will begin to happen in your family. And I just want to look at the last phrase here. It says, but it'll be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. So what is he promising that if we wake up and stir up ourselves not to be just status quo people? Now, now this is, maybe this isn't going over good with some of you because you feel like you've already maxed out what anybody, your abilities could do. Then I say you underestimate the greater one living on the inside of you. But the idea, he says, if you begin to do this and let, let Christ awaken you, then you start having, as I said, the better marriage. He starts talking about the better business, better employees, better relationship with your bosses, whatever the case may be. He puts it all in these upcoming verses, and he says, and it'll be well with you that you may live long on the earth. Of course, this is a promise for children, but that's part of it. I want you to see that. But does he just mean spiritually speaking? Oh, no. Look at this. In the CV, it says, you'll have a long and a happy life if you'll just wake up instead of just sleeping through your life. I still declare to you, your former years should not even hold a candle to your latter years. Your retirement years ought to be the best, most productive years that you've ever had in your life. It was for Moses, and it was for others in the Scriptures. Job did more in the latter days than he did in his earlier days. God turned his situation around. You know, I'm just saying every day ought to get better. Every year ought to be a stronger with more accomplishments. The NMB. Now, that's an interesting, I hadn't quoted that one to you before. You know what the NMB translation is? That's the New Matthew Bible. I don't know why they call it the New Matthew Bible. It was written by Tyndale in 1535, I believe it was. But it's an old, but look at this one. He says, so that you may prosper and live long on the earth. He's talking about income and increase. If you'll wake up and do the right things with your life, you'll have a better income, he said. And you'll have a long, and as he said back here, he said you'll have a long and a happy life. So it's simply that we get to a place where we actually trust God to do more through us than what we ever thought we could accomplish ourselves. So today I want to dare you then to become the most highly favored person. I'm going to show you some scriptures real quick on favor. Favor will cause, write this down about favor. Just put down the word favor because it's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the few minutes I'm going to spend with you. Favor is what will cause everything in your life to turn to your good. Now, you know, when you talk about favor, you might mention the word favoritism. That may, maybe people would understand that or what it means to be God's favorite. How many went to school and the teacher had a pet? Amen. I mean, it wasn't it. <laughs> you know? I, I went a long time. I went a long time thinking I was the teacher's pet because she had me always sit next to her desk up there. I found out later it wasn't because I was her pet. It's because she had to keep an eye on me. But you know, one thing I did notice, even though I wasn't that pet, I noticed they always had one. Or at least we students thought they did. Right. Seemed like there was always somebody that just had more favor, more favoritism was shown right. toward them. Well, in these scriptures, I'm going to show you, and I could show you 20 real quick this morning. I'm not going to do that. I'm only going to show you about two or three. But I'm going to show you some scriptures and talk to you about it. But if you would start recognizing, like those early scriptures we read, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and realize the same idea and the same God is in back of all these favor scriptures that he wants to favor you, what it literally means is he wants to cause the spotlight of honor from him to shine on your life. And you have to just kind of imagine what I'm trying to say here. Let's just imagine that you were in the middle of a crowd, just sort of standing there, obscure, kind of hidden yourself, just kind of blended into the crowd, you know, crowd, kind of like finding walls here and you're just standing there in the middle of a hundred thousand people that's a lot of folks and and nobody knows who's in charge or what's going on and let's just say that in the middle of that hundred thousand people crowd all of a sudden a spotlight comes on and it shines directly on you and your name is called and you're called up to the stage we want to honor this person today 
Well, that's what the spirit of favor really is. Favor is God so honoring you that He'll do things special for you that He really won't do for other people. Amen. The Bible teaches us that God will actually highly favor a person so well. Do you know that's how He greeted, had the angel greet little Mary when she was 14 years old, found out she was going to be the mother of the Messiah? He said, you're highly favored of the Lord. You found favor with God. In other words, God picked you. Now that's something to think about. There were a whole lot of other young ladies that could have been a qualified maybe, or maybe they weren't. I don't know. Maybe God picked the one that was qualified. But I guarantee you the one that picked that was picked for qualification was because part of that qualification was she believed that God was favoring her life. Because I found out if she was highly favored of the Lord, favor does not come and does not manifest when you're not exercising faith for it. It's like anything else with God. As I said to you earlier, everything requires faith from Adam all the way to this present day. You'll never find a time that it's not required faith in your life. That means you've got to find out what God said about it and believe that over all the obstacles and circumstances of your situation. And so somewhere this young lady was believing for favor in her life. Did she believe that she was going to be the mother of the, of the Messiah? I don't know. It was, they said it was sort of a common thing with all young Jewish virgin ladies. They all thought that they would be, maybe, maybe they could be picked to be the mother of the Messiah. I don't know how general that consensus was. I don't know how strong it was in their thinking, if they thought it would be the generation they were a part of. But somehow Mary was picked with that. And, and that's the first thing the angel said. It said, hell, Mary, you're highly favored yes. of God. Amen. God really likes what he sees in you. Amen. To be favored means that God puts attention towards you that he doesn't put toward other people. Mm, He'll get good. things to you. Let, let me get you to write this down. If you can understand the secret to operating in this kind of favor that we're going to just, just briefly. Now, now, how many of you understand in these I dare you messages, I can't preach everything to you. We preached about being the most wealthiest person in, in the city, you know, last week. How many of you know, I didn't teach you the laws that govern it. There's laws that govern it, but I was just trying to make you hungry enough to say, I'm going to find out what God said about because he wants me rich and I'm willing to be. Well, I want you to just find just to get a little quick glimpse today that God wants you highly favored. He wants to do things for you beyond your thinking today. But you've got to exercise faith in it. So that's why I've got to give you two or three scriptures at least to show you that God wants to favor you. He wants you to have favoritism or to become his favorite son or daughter. That ought to become your confession. How are you today? You say, oh, highly favored, blessed of the Lord. You know, you ought to say things like that. That gives you an opportunity to say it. Well, the reason that you can, let's start with this first. The reason that God will show you this is because you are somebody very special to God. Now, I'm going to ask you again, write this down. You are, or you can put I am, somebody special to God. I want you to write this somewhere. It'd be good to write in the leaflet of your Bible somewhere that you can turn to it regular because I want to make a statement about it. Amen. Now, Jerry Savelle made this statement. Jerry Savelle, if you know him, he's known for his favor all around the world. In fact, in 1969 or so, when Jerry Savelle first went in the ministry, I'm not sure what year it was. Some of y'all may know, but I think it was around 1969. Have you ever seen some of the old archive videos of Jerry Savelle in those days? I mean, he was just as skinny and little fellow. I mean, just looked like a kid. <laughs> And he was in his early 20s at that time. And actually he was, I think, 20 at that time, 1969. The Lord spoke to him when he first got saved and first started the ministry. He said, I'd never heard a message on favor. I'd never heard it in all my life, you know, that God would favor you and that things would happen special for you that wouldn't necessarily happen for other people. Sometimes favor can be understood in little areas like this, like you're standing in a long line waiting to be checked out at a store and the lines are all full and you're in a hurry and all of a sudden, even though you're standing way back here in the line, some, somebody kind of comes up and says, I'll take you over here. You ever had that happen? Well, that's, that's favor being shown toward you. She's favoring you above all those other people that's maybe been in line further than you or longer than you, but she picked you, see? And that's, that's favor. That's a little way maybe to understand that favor. And, and God might be the same way, you know, in something bigger if you just get your faith up there. They say, I'm giving away a, a brand new uh, Hummer. Or somebody said something. What did you say back there? Brand new something anyway. and a Brand new house. Let's try that. I'm giving away a brand new house. They just built it. Got, got everything finished and I just wanted to bless somebody with it. And, That'd be the high favors of God. It's the favor of God when, when a company calls and said, we just want to uh, dismiss that bill that you owe and we just think you don't owe anything. Susan and, I, Susan and I dismissed a bill to somebody the other day, just somebody that owed a bill. We just said, no, we dismissed that. We don't want you to owe us anymore. Just forget it. That's, that's showing favor. And if we show favor, you'll reap it. And that's what I got to close with in just a minute. But I, I want you to catch this. That favor wants to be seen. Now, here's what I want you to write down because you wrote down that phrase. At least you wrote this in your Bible. If you're not a note taker in, on a notebook, at least write this in your Bible. I am a very special person to God. Yes, now, I'm, about to I'm about to expose that to you out of the scripture. But here's what I want to say about it and why I wanted you to write it down. Because here's what Jerry Savelle said. 
Jerry said in 1969 when he first got saved and started ministering around Brother Copeland, connected to Brother Kenneth, just as a kid preacher, you know, 20 years or so of age. And he said, I didn't know anything about favor. I'd never heard about favor. And nobody had ever preached to me a message about favor. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and I wrote it in the leaflet of my Bible what God said. God said to him, said, Jerry said, I'm going to favor you. And he'd never heard that. He said, I'm going to favor you and I'm going to favor you in such a way that you'll be known around the world for your favor and you'll spend your life in ministry preaching to others how to be favored like that. Well, if you know anything about Jerry, that's exactly the way his life has panned out now for these 60 years or so. And, um, or whatever, excuse me, not, not 60, what is that? 69, that'd be 50 years. And so here's the deal. The statement you just wrote down, Jerry said with his experience of the favor of God, and that's why I told you all of that, that if you don't understand this one thing about your life, it'll stop the flow of favor in your life. Wow. If you do not understand that you're special to God. Wow. Now, I know you're not going to understand it necessarily just because I got you to write it down somewhere. But I want you to understand it through these scriptures. I'm going to show you real quick on the screen. Will you watch these with me? In fact, I one I want you to turn to. Turn to Psalm 139. Let me start there with you. Psalm 139, the 14th verse. Now, now you ought to make note of that 139th Psalm. That's one of the biggest chapters in the Bible against abortion to me. It's just because it talks about how God formed us even in our mother's womb. And we're talking about that, but look on this, this screen. Psalm 139, verse 14 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, amen. Now, we know from study, what, what's the one thing we all agree on that makes me unique? I'm physically now, I'm just saying physically. What makes me unique from every other person? The fingerprint, thank you. How many of you heard that before? Amen. I mean, you can almost go to jail over your fingerprint in the wrong place, Right? Fingerprint was what all I ever heard, but you know, now they're proving that you've got more things that are unique just you. In other words, God made that fingerprint like un, 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 even an identical <laughs> twin that shares DNA does not have the same. Because fingerprints are formed by what you experience in the womb. And everyone that experiences, and you've got two babies in there, that one will experience something a little different than the other one, and your fingerprints are different. So even an identical twin has a unique fingerprint. But what they're finding now, science now with their abilities has found that it's not just the fingerprint, but even the iris in the eye is a complete identical uniqueness to just you. Your eye can identify you, but that it doesn't stop there. Even the ear, even the ear itself is a complete identical identifying mark to you. It's unique to you. Your voice, they're finding nobody else has the same voice pattern as yours. And even an imitator can't imitate it just that perfect. Because your voice will determine. Your tongue has a print totally unique wow. to you. Your teeth has a print totally unique. Right. You know, that's why sometimes people are identified by dental records. Right. Even all the way down to your toe prints. Your toe prints are unique just to you. Everything about you. And there's another part of the eye. We talked about the iris, but even the retina looking in. You know, when you go for an eye exam, they look deep into that right. back of that retina back there. Because they say now that the retina is the window to the DNA in a person's life. And you can not only see, if you learn, you know, they're learning, science is learning, not only can you see what's going on with the person through looking at that pattern, but they can also see, and it's unique to you, nobody else have a pattern like yours, but they can also see diseases that are coming and problems that are coming simply by what that DNA is, is setting up for. And so it's an interesting thing. Amen. But here's why. Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God yes. made you unique. Yes. You weren't an accident. Matthew chapter 10.30 says, even the hairs of your head, Jesus said, are all numbered. Everything about you is unique. Everything about you. There's not one thing that doesn't make you a unique person. And then that, back to that Psalm 139, in the voice translation, it says this. David says to God, God, you shaped me inside out. You knitted me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. God actually knits our life together or forms or fashions us in a way that He wants us to be. Amen. So, because we're so special, now look at this scripture, Isaiah chapter 43, right quick. Amen. Isaiah 43, I'm going to start with verse 1 right quick because we're familiar with it. It lines up with what we just read in Psalm 139. Verse 1, Isaiah 43, verse 1 says, But now, thus saith the Lord that created you, O Jacob, and he that formed you. See, so knitted us together in our mother's womb. He said, O Israel, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And then he said, I'll take care of you in verse 2. When you pass through the waters, you won't drown. You pass through the fires, it won't burn you. Of course, we know that happened for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and others. 
Look at the third verse. He, then he adds this, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, the Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom. In other words, I take a nation like Egypt and made them pay the price for you. Amen. Ethiopian Seba was for you. And since you were precious, verse 4, this is so big, since you were precious in my sight, wow. you have been honorable, or and I honor you, in other words, God says, and I loved you, therefore I give men for you and people for your life. In other words, you're more important to me than anybody or anything else. And you've got to see yourself just that way. Now look at that with that in mind. Look up here on the screen and look at this fourth verse. Back to King James. It says, since you were precious in my sight, I did that for you. And you've been honorable and I've loved you. And I gave people for your life. Look up on the screen at this in the God's Word translation. Since you're precious to me, you're honored and I love you. I will exchange others for you. Nations will be the price I pay for your life. But then it gets better when it gets to the message. It says, that's how much you mean to me, God said. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. I'd trade creation just for you. Now that's why you've got to see. This is why I'm highly favored because I'm a very special individual to God. I'm unique. God is not going to let me fall to the ground. God's not going to let my life slip. God wants to favor you. He wants to do things special for you, but He can't do it without your faith for that. God's favor on your life is your pathway to unlimited success every day. The more, now, now you, ought to, you ought to write that down if you're a note taker. But God's favor on your life is a pathway to unlimited success. Well, of course, you can think then, if I don't have that favor, then my success level begins to wane or it goes down. I started learning about the favor of God when I first got saved, not long after I first got saved. And I've told you some of y'all this story before, but I'm going to tell others and, and just remind you, it's my time, I'm just going to take time to do it. I started believing God for favor. And I said, Lord, that means that you'll shine the spotlight on me and you'll do things for me that you won't do for other people. And, and the point is, when God starts doing things for you, he'll also have people do things for you and they won't know why they do it. That's right. And they'll, they'll say, I don't know why I did that. Well, one of the first things that happened to me was, a friend of mine, there was an older gentleman in the church where I went, and he was blind and his wife was blind. They had actually met in Talladega at the School of the Blind. And he ran a little store and was in the Methodist church when I started preaching in Fayette. And he told me one day, he said, Brother James, so they're having a homecoming reunion at Talladega School. And said, my wife and I would like to go back and see some of our old friends and back to the campus because we lived there for you know, so many years of our life and learning and training how to operate. He, he had went blind as a 20-year-old man. Glaucoma set in. Now, this would have been back in the early part of the 1900s. And, and he didn't treat it, so he just went blind at 20, I think he said 21 years of age. Totally blind after it's seen 20 years. And so then she was born blind, and so they had never seen each other, but they met over there, and they married, and we would like to go back. And want to know if you'd take some time. I was their pastor, single in those days, and he said, I wonder if you'd take us over there. And I did. And so we went over there, and it was fun because they were taking us on the tour. You know, other people, blind people, taking us on the tour and pointing everything out to and And they were, they were seeing more than I was seeing, you know. And it, well, we walked through this one area where they had sewing machines set up, and they were sewing. People, of course, blind people were sitting there sewing. Of course, they make brooms and mops, and, you know, it was amazing some of the things they made. And they were making ties. And I saw this, this one woman at the sewing machine as we passed by was making this little skinny tie. In fact, this is the very tie, or a tie, like I saw. She was making this little, little navy tie like that. And I thought, I would like that little skinny tie. I'd like one of those. And so later that day, they had told us we would get to go to the, I don't know if they called it commissary or whatever, but a little store there that you could buy some of the things that they made. Well, we got to that little store, and there was a lady, not a blind lady, but there was a lady that worked there running this little store. It was just kind of a small room, not very large. And they just had all kind of stuff that they made in that store, in that right. factory. And so I kept walking around looking for one of those little ties because I wanted to buy one. They had civilian ties, you know, normal ties like you see on a Sunday morning. And, and I saw a lot of those, but I wanted one of those little skinny blue ties. So I finally asked that one, went up to the counter, and I said to the lady working there, I said, ma'am, I said, I saw out in the, in the uh, factory out there, they were making a little skinny blue tie, and I wanted to get one of them. She said, no, that's a military contract, and we can't give you any of those. And kind of said it mean like, you know. And she, I sized her up. She was bigger than me, and I didn't push this, you know. And... Uh, she said, uh, she said, no, that's a military contract. said, you'll have to look at the civilian ties, get one of them. I said, well, I've already looked at those. I don't want one of those. I said, I want one of those blue ties. She said, well, you can't have one of those. That's a military contract. I said, okay. So I walked off, you know, and got far enough where I could hear if she started coming or something. And, and uh, got over there and I said, Lord, now you said that I'm highly favored of you. 
And I believe I have one of those times. Now, I'm walking, I'm about as far as, as from Barbara sitting over there. It's where she was at the counter, and there were shelves all between us, you know, and just a little store. And I'm over there like this, you know, kind of walking around like I'm looking at things and just talking to the Lord. Lord, I want one of those little blue ties now. And you said I'm highly favored, and I believe I'll have it. Now, I'm not saying it out loud. Nobody would have heard me. And, and Romy and Louise, the couple I was with there, they're walking around talking to people, you know, and, and I'm just sort of walking around praying about that. And all of a sudden, that woman, she left her counter. I mean, and through, you know how you have the little counter that kind of opens up like that, a cafe? She opened that thing up, wham, slammed like that, and she was coming in. Brand, I mean, I, I braced myself. I thought, <laughs> I'm facing a fight. And the first thing that went through my mind, somebody told me in a fight like that, is usually who he gets in the first punch usually wins. And I was like, I was ready for her. I mean, she's coming. She was, I mean, she made her line right to me. And she, I mean, she, I had to move my feet out of the way because she came right down, squatted down, threw open a shelf, pulled out this tie, said, I don't know why, but just take it and go. I said, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I got my tie. I'm, I'm big on ties. I, I like ties, and if it's one I like, I like. I even, since I was bringing this one, I thought I'd just show y'all. I like this tie. Y'all like that tie? Last Sunday was Mother's Day, and that was also my, my mother and daddy's 63rd wedding anniversary if they were here on the earth, and this was the tie daddy wore at his wedding. I just like ties. Anyway, so I keep that. But anyway, I keep this tie. Occasionally, I wear it just to aggravate you and remind myself that God will do anything you ask him to do. He'll just favor you. She didn't know why she gave me that tie, but I knew why, because I'm highly favored of the Lord. So never, never, God doesn't do things based on our actions. He does things based on the fact that you're special to him, he loves you, and if you've got faith in that love, he'll be able to do more, because you become his most prized possession. And the more you give yourself to him and trust him, the more he'll begin to open up more things in your life, because there, there's a scripture, I won't take time to go back there, but this is in the New Testament, I challenge you to find it, I dare you to find it, in the New Testament, but it says that there's special favor, more favor, for those that serve God or love him, genuinely love him is basically the way some translations say it. You can find that one yourself. He just gave Jesus, I mean, that ought to be enough to know if, if Jesus was God's gift or sacrifice for you, why would he withhold a tithe? If Jesus, given his son to die and pay the price for you, he would go to hell three days and three nights and pay the price for you to have eternity with God, why would he withhold a house? The Bible says in, in the book of Romans that if he's already given us Jesus, why would he withhold any other thing? He's not holding anything back from you. So I began to exercise my faith for that favor. And I was, by this time, I was also in college, in the ministry and in college, going to what was back in those days. It was called Brewer State Junior College. Now it's Bevel Campus in Fayette. And I had a real, I loved all my teachers. I had just one teacher named Roland Hammond. And he was a geography and history teacher and he had talked me into, uh, after the end of a school year, he said, James, he said, I'm doing a summer course on the next course you need. And he said, why don't you take that summer course and so many, I think it was like I don't know, seven weeks, something like that. Instead of just two classes a week, it was more like three or four. I can't remember what it was, but it was a real heavy schedule. He said, we'll cover that in so many weeks. And, um, and you'll know, do that. And he taught me into doing it. I, okay, I'll do it. And you ask me to do it, I'll, I'll do it. Of course, he was just trying to get up enough to have the class, you know, and get paid for it. But I thought he was favoring me, wanting me in there. <laughs> And so I got in there and boy, the schedule with ministry and everything else was pretty tough, you know, and it's going fast. And the way Roland Hammond graded you is all his tests were never, never fill in the blanks, never matching, never nothing like that. Never, it was all essays. And so in other words, he would come and say, okay, on this test, you, you write seven essays, depending on, you know, what time of the year, seven essays on this. And he didn't grade you. Like if you put things right about that, you don't get any points for putting the right. It was what you didn't put. He took points off, whatever you left off. So you had to be real thorough on it. And so I was believing God, and by this time, I was already exercising in favor, wearing my little blue skinny tie from time to time and reminding myself that I was highly favored of the Lord. Amen. And so it, the summer exam came up, and we came in class that day. We knew it would be essays. And what he did, he, if I remember right, it was seven. He, he had seven subjects. He said, seven subjects when we walked in that day. He said, pull out your paper. He said, out of that seven, pick five. And you pick the five you want to write an essay on. Of course, we knew he counted off for what you'd left off, not for what you put in. And so each, that means each of those essays were worth 20 points to have 100. And he said, and that's the way it's going to be. And boy, everybody went to work and everybody's quiet. You know how that 90 minutes passes pretty quick when you're trying to come up with stuff that you don't remember. And, and uh, it wasn't subjects I was real tickled with because I was so busy with other things. And so when, the, when it was time for the test to be over, I was finishing up number three. 
I hadn't done my five. I was finishing number three, but I was just sitting there thinking, I'm highly favored to God. God's going, I don't know how this is going to happen, but he's going to tell me I can finish this. You know, usually you had to turn it in when the time was up. And I said, he's going to favor me. And he started walking around. And that was the last minute. That's just before he was ready to tell everybody, put your pencils down, turn it in. You know, he was walking around and he came by my desk. <laughs> he saw I was on number three. He said, oh my, oh my, 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 oh my. And I'm sitting there thinking I'm highly favored because, you know, this is going to be bad, you know. And because um, the most I could make on that would have been 60 if I was perfect on those three. And he, he said, oh, my, oh, oh, my, 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 my. He said, folks, I've changed my mind. Just three out of the seven. Just pick any three. Any three. Turn your papers in. Now, now they don't know why he did that. He don't know why he did that. But I was sitting there and knew why he did that because I was highly favored of God. God will do anything for the person that trusts him and believes him. He'll favor you on your job. Like we said, a cashier might open up for you or somebody will take you in first. But it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But let me, the last scripture I've got to show you real quickly, turn right quick, if you will. This is the last scripture. Well, I can show it to you on the screen. You don't have to turn there, but jot it down. Psalm 84, verse 11. I wanted to read this one to you and then we'll move on. Look at Psalm 84 verse 11 said, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Now you see that grace, that grace is favor. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So how we walk, how we conduct ourselves determines how this favor begins to be poured out. Now I'm going to show you another scripture. I said this is the last one, but this is one I wanted to show you and had forgotten about. Turn, turn to Psalm 5 right quick. Let me just read one to you right quick. Psalm 5, back up to this. Psalm 5, 4 and 5. Y'all give me just a minute to finish up. I say it's after six. I, I'm closing right here. This, this won't take but a second and you'll be glad you stayed for it. But real quickly, look at Psalm 5. You'll want to mark these scriptures in your Bible. Is this helping anybody? I hadn't been preaching all that long. It's just, you know, we had other things going on. Got to pray with people. That's wonderful. We love it, but just, just real quick, get this and we'll, we'll go home. Finally, favored, our lives will change. And if your life changes, then the church changes. Verse 11 and 12 says, Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because God defends them. Let those that love your name be joyful in thee. Now watch verse 12. For the Lord God will bless the righteous. With favor will he compass him as with a shield. Compass means to circle. Or he'll surround you or encompass you or circle you as a shield with favor. That means everywhere you turn, you're just highly favored. That's right. Amen. You know, this, this even, even from trying to, those of you that drive to work and things like this, especially in busy, like Birmingham, Shelley, you go to places like that. And sometimes getting merged into traffic can be difficult. And yet, high favors is when somebody will say, come on, you can get in front of me. That's the favor of God. And that works. But now... So God will circle you. Look, look at this, Psalm 84. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord God will give grace and glory. Now again, the word grace is the same as favor. You see there in that grace. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold. Now this is important. I'll just take the moment to show you this. You see the last phrase, no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly? In other words, anybody that's walking in the spirit of favor, there's no limit to the things that God will get into your life. Well, out of another translation, most translations says, where it says he gives you grace, it says he bestows favor and honor. Most translations will say that. Well, in the PTT, this is the Passion Translation, watch it says, For the Lord God is brighter than the brilliance of a sunrise. He wraps himself around me like a shield. He is so generous with his gifts of grace and glory. Those who walk along his paths of grace, in other words, of favor, with integrity will never lack one thing they need for he provides it all. My goodness, isn't that good? He provides it all. Now, last scripture, here it is. Now, write this one down. Just jot down the reference, Proverbs eleven twenty-seven, and this is where we close. Because this is a key. If I don't tell you this, you'll find yourself stagnant in this, this life of favor. Because if you run out of here and say, I dare myself to be the most favored person, I'm gonna, I tell you, I'm going to be so favored they'll move me up. See, when you start operating in courage and boldness about your life, you, you don't go to work anymore worried about your position. You start making the man above you worry about his because I'm fixing to move up to that and I might be taking yours. I'm so favored, I might be the head of this company one day. You better watch out. See, you, you begin to develop that kind of an attitude. It doesn't have to be arrogant, but you begin to develop the attitude, I'm moving to the top. I'm the most highly favored person in this place, and I'm going up higher. But if you don't know this last key, you'll find yourself completely limited. Now watch this. Proverbs eleven twenty seven says, He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. Well, this procureth, one translation says, frames his life for favor. So now, now listen to it. Look at me, and I'll just do this in two minutes, and we'll be dismissed. 
to have a life of favor that we've just barely mentioned today, barely mentioned, just enough to challenge you, to dare you to say, hey, I'm going to begin to confess I'm favored. Make that, make that a part of your daily confession. When somebody says, hey, how are you today? Say, I'm highly favored and blessed of the Lord. Thank you. Amen. Highly favored of God. What does that mean? Just say, well, that means God's just shining the spotlight of favor on me. He's doing something good in my behalf. He calls people to do things good in my behalf. I'm telling you, good things are happening. Make that your confession every day. Make it your affirmation of faith. Then he says, though, you have to frame this life of favor. Frame it means you have to do something to constructively make it work for you. But it's in the first part of the verse. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. How do you do that? Well, when you start doing good things for others, you start framing or setting yourself up for favor in your own life. Well, this translation, look at this now. This is the Passion Translation again. This says exactly what I was trying to tell you. He says, living your life seeking what is good for others brings untold favor on your own life. So, in other words, you can't just sit around and say, I'm going to be favored, but I don't favor other people. No, you actually have to favor others to open up this favor for your life. In other words, if you want to say, I want to be the one that no matter what road I get on, somebody's going to always merge me in, then you've got to be the one when you're sitting in traffic, you're allowing others to merge in you. That's called sowing the seed. And so the big deal is this kind of life of favor we're talking about actually has to become a harvest of the kind of favor that you're showing to others. So here's my challenge and here's my dare. I challenge you to go out this week and make the decision this morning and you won't do it. I guarantee if you hadn't done it by this afternoon, you'll forget about it. But if you'll go out and say, you know what? I want favored of my husband. I want favor with my children. So therefore, I'm going to highly favor my husband. I'm going to favor my children. I'm going to do things for them they don't deserve. They're going to say, Mama, why would you do that for me? Because I love you and you're very special to me. And all of a sudden, you'll find that that favor begins to be a harvest in your own life. You say, you know, I'm going to look for things. Not, not to make other people mad around you, but I'm going to find people that are behind me and say, hey, why don't you go through the cash register first day? I'm not in that big a hurry. Take that time now because there'll be a day you're in a hurry and you'll need that favor to work for you. So begin to show favor to other people. Do things to be a blessing. Of course, Ephesians brings that out. Ephesians says, whatever good thing you want to do, do that for somebody else. That's called reciprocity. Whatever you do for others will turn and happen to you. But it always comes back in a bigger harvest. But you've got to make the decision. Take the dare today that you're going to be the one that shows more favor than anybody on this planet. I'm a highly favoring person, therefore I'm a highly favored person. And you'll see, as he says, untold favor in your life. That, you know what untold favor means? That means you ain't never heard a testimony as big as what's about to happen in your life. Praise God. You're going to set the precedent for new levels of favor. God bless you. Stand to your feet. Father, I pray over every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place today that will take the dare. We're the most highly favored people in our jobs, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our work. Everything we put our hand to, we're highly favored of both God and man. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody in agreement said amen and amen. Praise God.